You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jenna Sargent, online and social media editor at SD Times. In this week's episode, we'll be talking to Charles Caldwell, who is the VP of Product Management at Logi Analytics. He'll be talking to us today about embedded analytics. I'll let Charles introduce himself, and then we'll get right into the topic. I'm Charles Caldwell, and I lead product management at Logi Analytics. Great. So I guess to start off, maybe it would be helpful to define what embedded analytics is. Yeah. So at a high level, embedded analytics is really about including insights in the context of an application for your end users and and specifically what that tends to look like um, is the display of of information um, usually visual in the form of, of charts or graphs one of the examples that i suspect everyone knows so well it's become invisible uh, is the ratings in amazon um, and you'll see you know, you get the star rating, but you'll pop up the little histogram that shows you the distribution of those ratings. Um, and often that tells you a whole lot more, right? So a 3.5 uh, is different if there's a whole lot of ones in there um, than if everybody's sort of a three and a four. And it tells you if you need to drill down or not. But the the whole goal there is to move beyond a simple transaction, like buying a book, Um and provide your end user with insights that help them make a decision that's more effective for them. And I would argue that that's the reason Amazon has been as successful as they've been is is very early on, they focused on taking information, who has the lowest price, what is the review of the product, what are alternate products you could buy, and turning that information not to their own advantage, but to the advantage of their customers. And that's why I would argue so many people use that application so faithfully is because they trust they're making good purchasing decisions due to the analytics that have been embedded there in a variety of ways. So I know that example is kind of based on the end user, but is it more common for it to be like an end user analytics that they wouldn't off like otherwise have? Or is it also like used in a business case so that you don't have to do as much data analysis? Well, so we, we, we see this get applied a lot of different ways, but we sell almost, well, not even almost anymore. We sell entirely to application teams. I, I was going to say almost entirely to, you know, commercial software teams. We, we have a mix of corporate application teams that are building um, applications either for their customers or for their internal operations. But the, ma- the majority of our customers are building commercial software products. And the most of what we're we're focused on, with frankly, with both of those teams is helping them enrich those applications um, so that the insights are making those end users more effective. So you'll see, and, and you will see this use case of, um, you know, rather than having a desktop data analyst, and there's there's nothing wrong with desktop data analysts and in you know, kind of executive analysis. I do a lot of that stuff myself. That's good stuff. But rather than having to wait for those people to have a good idea and then have that good idea sort of trickle out to where the action actually happens, uh, increasingly we see um, corporations and and enterprises where they're taking uh, operational best practices and encapsulating those in the form of an application. 
And, and again, that's not just to help them with facilitating efficient transactions. It, it's generally about helping them know something that enables them to choose to do something different than they would before. And we see examples from um, social emotional examples where by putting up operational uh, metrics that, that people care about, um, like one example is uh, we worked with a group that does uh, collision repair. So if you if you crash your car or you know gets a scratch or that kind of thing, they they handle collision repair. And their business model is interesting because they actually have more demand than they can supply. So their their whole thing is we need to keep cars moving through as efficiently as possible because um, we'll never keep up with the kind of demand for cars. Uh, maybe that says something about the need for uh, self driving cars, but. For them, keeping sort of the operational metrics that the repair bays care about, how many cars are waiting, where cars are in one bay waiting for a kind of another station to open up, and there's a dependency. So some of these kind of complex flows through the workshop, where they're running into overtime, um, how that overtime impacts the profitability of the operation versus um, the value of the jobs that they've got lined up. So these are kind of complex decision making that if you wait till after the fact to make these decisions, it's too late because the the service hours are gone at that point. But by putting those right in front of everybody, it did a couple of things. It, it gave them insights that they could act on. Uh, but the social emotional side is it also brought out a little bit of both competitiveness and also team collaboration. So where you'd have these dependencies between like the paint station and the dent station and some of the more complex flows, you'd get the teams really coordinating so that they were um, eliminating some of the backlog and they were they were able to cue each other up in ways that coordinated the work for a smoother flow. Um, so it's it's really neat to see those kinds of applications where these operational best practices that it's totally not helpful for corporate analysts to know this stuff. I mean, it's interesting for them to know, but they can't do anything about it, really. Um, it's much more interesting if you can put that in an application that's down with, you know, where the action's taking place and where the folks who are literally going to be able to do something about it where they're working. Do you think that this is kind of a replacement to like business intelligence or just kind of an evolution of it? Yeah, I, so I kind of see it as a distinct use case, and I'm not I'm not much of an either or kind of person. So I, I tend to be more of a both and kind of person. Look, the centralized decision making always has a place. There's no question. And you know, I'm I'm an executive who leads products. There's I get a lot of information rolled up to me. I need to be able to to kind of coordinate and facilitate a lot of the organizational activities. So that's a valid way of making decisions. I spent the first 10 years of my career very much focused on that style of decision support systems. Um, I don't see that going away, uh, but what I know is it's a very limited audience that that targets, that targets executives and analysts and kind of middle managers. I know that the effectiveness of those systems is mediocre at best. You see adoption rates like 30% is kind of the high watermark of the adoption rates of most BI systems. And that's among this already limited target audience. And I think there is a ton of value. I know that there's a ton of value in getting those kinds of insights out beyond just those executives and into the hands of 
your customers who are trying to decide how to interact with your products and services. Certainly, if you're providing business software, that that business software ends up having the data of those enterprises in it. And the first thing that, that users do, I do this all the time with Jira as an example. Jira, why can't you tell me things that I need to know? Like, why are you why are you making me struggle to understand more summary level things, more predictive things? Like, get, give me more insight here to help me make better decisions about the next release, what bugs to groom, those types of questions. There is a ton of value there and that the audience is much larger and they need different things. They don't, the, the, typically when I look at um, a doctor or a nurse at a patient bedside, these are not people who want a lot of data in a pivot table. What they want is they want to know that they're walking into a room with a patient who's a fall risk um, or has a medication regimen with potential interactions and severe adverse events. And you'd be surprised how poor the systems are today at helping them understand those things. Um, but we've, we've totally got the capability to do that, um, especially in the form of, of applications that can show up on tablets and, and mobile devices. We can get really, really targeted with helping people have insights that, that they know in the, in the moment. So um, we need both. We, we need both this sort of summary level executive view. Um, we need data scientists who are looking at kind of the big picture, broad trends, but we also need, so it, it is a both and, we also need ways to get meaningful insights to the folks on the front lines of these decisions, whether they're consumer decisions about, you know, what product I'm going to buy or, or much more critical decisions about how we're treating patients as an example. Um, because there is a ton of value there. So it, it, it really is both and, and I see it as kind of an evolution of this whole idea of how we support human beings in making more effective decisions. Um, are these sorts of capabilities things that can be kind of tacked on to existing applications or is it, should it be like kind of built in to the application from the start? Yeah, um, so in general, so the, the, the quick answer is yes. And in both, and all of those can be appropriate ways to do it. So the the real question is, and and you know, product people will be used to to this kind of answer. You need to look at your persona and what their goals are. Like that, that's a really sort of short and sweet answer. And and there are times when you've got a persona who wants to move into an open ended decision analysis mode, and that's where kind of bolt in is the term I use. Like you just take a pivot table, I'll use that metaphor, but an analysis type capability and bolt it in as a, as a tab or just an additional module. There will be other times when you know what insights someone generally needs to facilitate, facilitate the decision they're making at a point in your application. So again, if I've got a tablet for a nurse who's about to walk into a room, having that nurse get prompted with key information at that point, that is a solvable problem. And, and we can really target that with some stories and a use case that involve the right application screens enhanced with the right analytics. So it is both. And very often teams will think about it as kind of a continuum, just because that's how we think about roadmaps. So let me get in certain targeted capabilities and then 
maybe open up self-service and then maybe go into predictive like recommendations or other predictive type capabilities. And that's often for them, it's a way to digest the te technologies, the capabilities and become more familiar with how their end users would benefit from insights. And it's it's kind of an easy way to do it because you start with the sort of simple reporting listing type capabilities, and then you get into the fuzzier, harder to answer questions from a product requirement standpoint. But that's that that's typically done more for convenience, even that's not necessarily a hard and fast rule. So there are there are a range. All of them can be absolutely appropriate in the same application. It really comes down to persona and their goals. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. What advice would you give to development teams that are looking to get started with embedded analytics? Yeah, well, so the, fir the first one, so, so one, you can always experiment, right? So especially if you're, if you're in a kind of agile model with, with short feedback loops, this is an area that I would definitely um, take as an area for experimentation and rapid feedback cycles. It is a very different way of thinking to move from how do I solve kind of a transactional or a procedural problem to what insights can I give to an end user that's going to help them decide to do something different or is going to just add a ton of value in kind of the, the process uh, that the application represents. But that's kind of the question to start with it is if I could give my end user information at this point in the application that would help them do something different that has value, what, like, what is that information, right? And that requires you to know some things like what different thing might they do, you know, does it have value? But if you can get your head around that question, it will indicate to you what features, what functionality, what technical capability that you need to plug in there. Um, and then in terms of approach, what I would recommend, especially early when you're in the experimental phase, um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a vendor who sells this kind of stuff, so it may sound a little odd for me to say this, but I would go home grow some stuff early in the experimentation phase, <laughs> try things. Depending on the requirements, if the requirements are straightforward, if it really is like the Amazon example, you can probably get away with some components, just some UI components to test those examples and experiment with those use cases. What you will find though, and you just, this is like any other technology evolution, you, you have to watch the requirements as you start to get into much more robust requirements. And these really tend to be about the level of openness and interactivity for the end user. They want to drill down, they want to explore, they want to save highly complex filters and port those around to different analytics throughout the application, threshold-based alerting, like all of these robust use cases, you do not want to keep home growing. Um, these are all solved problems. So do, do not go build those things on your own. You're going to derail your own core roadmap. You're going to end up sort of reinventing a lot of wheels that don't need to be reinvented. I would go out and start looking for an embedded platform to help accelerate uh, you to market on those use cases um, so that you're really staying focused on that uh, on that core IP. But that it is a balance. I wouldn't I wouldn't over optimize for that too early. Um, and I would build a little bit of um, kind of product management UX, you know, muscle around how do we think about our personas in terms of the value that they get out of insights and data 
um, versus the value you've been providing to them to date if you haven't sort of been doing insight-driven type use cases before. So to end here, um, I just want to ask, is there like a particular thing about this space that has you most excited right now? Yeah, I, my, so here, the, the problem is where to even start <laughs> on that one. I mean, man, yes. Um, so, you know, it, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm kind of a humanist. I don't believe that computers replace us. And, and I, many people don't believe computers replace us, but there's always that fear of computers replacing us. And, you know, I sort of recognize computers, like all of our technology, is really extends our capabilities. And it... it um, it helps us do some amazing things that, that we couldn't do without it. And right now, like I, I start to get kind of hyper optimistic about some things. Um, more than half of the world's population are active Internet users right now. More than half of the world's seven billion people are active Internet users. Um, that is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. And and. If you look at that usage, the vast majority of that usage is application usage. People in across the world, uh, you know, you've got Ethiopian goat herders who are who are using the Internet to find out which market they should take their goats to to get the best price. Like it's not we're not all playing Candy Crush, right? We're actually doing some cool things to solve real world problems um, across the spectrum. And this idea that these capabilities aren't sort of just locked up in the hands of corporations and especially for analytics, like analytics has, has really been through most of my career, an area where the CEO of Exxon or Clorox or Procter and Gamble or, you know, name, name a large corporation. Those were the people who were really most benefiting from, from analytics. And we've seen the shift and it, and, a lot of that shift has been powered by adoption of the internet and adoption of applications and the fact that we've got so many powerful mobile applications, whether they're browser-based or, or native mobile apps on our, on our phones, um, where now you've got nonprofits like Conservation International uh, helping to slow deforestation using mobile applications that are insight-driven. Uh, you've got my Ethiopian goat herder example where they're you know, finding finding ways to be more economically efficient by, you know, using the Internet and, and applications. Uh, there are just so many problems that uh, are meaningful um, quality of life type problems that, that we're starting to be able to address with the power of analytics, that the promise has always been there. But the last three or four years, um, kind of the adoption of, of, of apps, mobile apps over the Internet has been a real game changer. So that, that's probably the thing that, that I'm most enthusiastic about without getting into all the cool stuff going on in data processing and MI, uh, uh, MLAI and like there's a whole bunch of stuff there that I won't go into uh, that also has me pretty excited and, and optimistic about where we're going with embedded analytics. Yeah, that's fantastic. I always love seeing people using technology to, to solve those kind of problems. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, and I do enjoy listening to the podcast. I, I appreciate you guys. Until next time, you've been listening to What the Dev. 